And I think that no one's coming to save us. We have to do something. And I think that for me, that idea of individual empowerment towards something bigger, that's what DAOs are all about. The key is that there's nothing that is inherently different. It is up to us to make those decisions so that it is different. Hello, everybody. It's time for another deep dive into DAOs, decentralization, governance, trends, paths forward, plus much more. And who better to talk about this stuff with than the one and the only, the OG legendary Bankless DAO itself. For those who are newer to the ecosystem, Bankless DAO was formed on May 4th, 2021, and is on a mission to onboard 1 billion people, 1 billion people into this ecosystem. The DAO operates mainly through online forums like Discord forum posting, their Discord channel, Twitter spaces, everyone is welcome, and they use the bank token for voting on proposals. Voting on things like what to do with their current over a million dollars in treasury balance and for paying Web3 content creators all across the planet. Anyone with 35,000 banks in their wallet can vote on the DAO decisions. And, and note, of course, this isn't a promotion or a recommendation to buy anything in any way, shape or form. And there's no legal advice here at all. I'm just explaining how the DAO works and how their decentralized voting works. So if we take a step back for the high-level perspective on the size and reach of Bankless, consider these metrics. So there's about 200,000 subscribers on their YouTube with tons of daily content. There's 30,000 people in the Discord, about 60,000 people on Twitter, and about 30,000 followers on each Instagram and TikTok. And again, this is on that mission for educating and onboarding. So that's a pretty awesome reach. Solid list of Web3 education content on there, lots of platforms, lots of quality people. And if you're listening to this right now and you're a CityDAO citizen like me and you want to join me as a co-host on the next show, just send me a DM and we'll see if we can uh, figure something out on a future episode. I've tried that a few times now and it worked really well. It was awesome to have a little bit of company and get sort of like a three or four people conversations going back and forth. I don't know if anyone's a fan of the all-in pod. I'm a huge fan and, and that style was pretty cool. So just shoot me a DM and uh, we'll try to make it happen. And remember that CityDAO community calls are every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Mountain Time. That's every Wednesday, not every second, third, or fourth, but every single Wednesday, 4 p.m. Mountain Time, come join. It'd be great to see you there. Now, our special guest on today's show is one of the multi-sig signers of Bankless DAO, the champion for the Bankless DAO card, which we're going to talk a lot more about today, the lead for the grants committee for Bankless DAO, Lynx. Welcome to the CityDAO pod, man. Thanks for joining in. How you doing? Not bad. I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I've been following Bankless for basically since inception, since Genesis, and just busy with a lot of other things. And so always just kind of in the back of my mind and watching the YouTube content and researching and learning. And then over the last several months, I started to get more involved. I got my bank, started to do my voting, started to participate more in the Discord. And the Discord is super cool. And just in case, as a relatively new Bankless DAO contributor myself, I'm wondering, was there anything in that intro that I said that like wasn't correct about Bankless DAO or that you'd want to tweak? I guess the one thing is that in some ways you you may have conflated Bankless, like the podcast, which originated Bankless DAO. They basically created Bankless DAO as an experiment in decentralization. So you, you conflated them a little bit. I mean, definitely we share the same brand. They're our founders and we have that connection with them, but they are two different things. So I think that it's sometimes difficult for people to see that. But yeah, they are, I guess, a media node of Bankless DAO. At least that's what they call themselves. And But what does that media node mean? Actually, we're still trying to figure out, <laughs> out what that actually means, but that's decentralization. So that's the one thing that I would tweak from your opening. But in general, it was pretty accurate. So let's maybe just start right there. You know, that's that's a good starting point because now we're talking about the formation of Bankless and how it came to be. So you're saying there was the podcast first, the Bankless podcast first, 
that led to the experiment of the Dow. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, certainly. So in May 2021, basically the two hosts of the Bankless podcast, Ryan and David, they wanted to drop a token. They wanted to create a DAO, just like these other DAOs are being created. And what they did was they created this bank token, and then they created a Genesis proposal, which would grant them the bank token that comes from the wallet. So essentially, they airdropped it to all of their subscribers. So it was a fair launch. And then after that, people wrote proposals. It all came from the bottom up. Aside from the initial proposal, the Genesis proposal, David and Ryan haven't written a single other proposal. In fact, they try to keep the DAO at arm's length, at least from a financial perspective, because they don't want to get on the SEC's bad side. At least that's what I suspect. I haven't heard that from them, but there's definitely a clear separation and it's probably safer for everyone that way. But the good thing about that is all of the, like what Bankless DAO has become is all from bottom-up initiative of members. First, those initial members, those bankless citizens who are airdrop tokens, and then anyone who wanted to join in the cause. Now, I'm going to jump ahead here for a second and get into a little bit of the more complex stuff because I have to. I don't mean to jump ahead, but I am. How did you not get stuck in a vitocracy? And so for those that are listening, when we talk about decentralization, we're talking about this desire and demand for everyone to have our own power. We want to have a voice. We want to be heard. We want to have decision-making abilities and, and have control over our lives and our, and our own votes and our assets and fill in the blank more. And so if we recap the history of DAOs, you can say we go from this top-down structure in politics and corporate governance into a bottom-up decentralization of everything. And that's really exciting. It gets a lot of people excited. And a lot of DAOs ended up getting stuck where a group of a thousand people couldn't make a tiny decision to get there. They get stuck. And instead of a democracy, instead of a direct democracy, it ended up with this odd word of a vetocracy where everyone just vetoes each other and argues. And I'm fascinated that Bankless DAO, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's probably had challenges and maybe still does, but overall, you've not gotten stuck there. I say you as like the global you DAO. How did, like, why did Bankless make it through and others didn't? There is an embedded assumption in what you just said that like a DAO is a direct democracy. And I think that that certainly was the zeitgeist, at least for a lot of our members when we first started. But even though that was like kind of the zeitgeist, the rules that, that our constitution that we originally created tried to, instead of having a direct democracy where everyone has an equal say in all decisions, what we started to do was we started to delegate authority to the places which had the best information to make that decision. So we have a bunch of different entities at the DAO that we've developed over these last two years. We have the Grants Committee, which is an elected group, and they are essentially responsible for dispersing the bank token. So they have an intake process. Basically, if you want to get bank, you have to get consensus from your peers, other bankless members through the forum. And then it goes to the grants committee and then they can decide whether or not to disperse bank. We have departments which are handling core DAO infrastructure. And when there's a question on how to keep this infrastructure safe, they don't have to go to the larger group. They can just take that action themselves to ensure that, that things are working. And then we have guilds and projects as well. Projects are essentially self-sovereign entities that have been funded by Bankless DAO. But what you do with your bank, how you set up your governance structure, all of that is up to the project itself. And you do have to report back to the DAO regularly. But basically, our interaction is through KPIs, at least from a grants process. And then we have contributors who kind of go to all of these different entities. So really, the key difference is it is not a direct democracy. Instead of that, decentralization, at least from my perspective, and I think in the zeitgeist of Bankless DAO, is delegating authority to the place that has the best information to make the decision. So when we think about a traditional organization, we've got like a top-down pyramid. 
Obviously, in DAOs, we're looking more like an expanded network, almost like a spider web, you can say, where everything talks to each other and, and works in different capacities. When I talk about the bankless structure, would it be fair to say that there's the bankless DAO, let's say, at the center, and then we got all the different guilds that would form the first circle of influence around operations and, and everything that's related to the core aspects of the DAO? Would the guilds be like that first layer? Guilds and departments, yeah. We have an operations department, a treasury department, a marketing department. You know, these are kind of our core DAO units. Our marketing department, for instance, they are the ones who have the keys to our Twitter. They're the ones who are tweeting and they're on a tactical basis handling our, our Twitter and social accounts. So that is a core, I would say, shared piece of infrastructure. And we delegate that to our marketing department and we fund them regularly with bank to have them do that. So it's really, I would say, if you want to look at it like that, then at the core, you know, our bank token comes from our multi-sig. It starts there. It usually goes to our grants committee, which then disperses it to the different DAO units. And our core is probably our departments and guilds are, are there too as well, but they have a specific mandate to help attract, retain and upskill talent. So I would say that they're not necessarily at the same level of departments. And then we have our projects, which are really like loosely affiliated in some ways and very strongly affiliated in other ways. Like we have very strong brand affiliations with our projects. We have similar ways of working and culture. And often a lot of those projects are working right in the Bankistow Discord. And they have interactions with like the marketing department to push their tweets through. So yeah, it is a network. It is not like a hierarchy by any means. But I would say that it is our bank token, which really facilitates a lot of the connection between the different groups. Okay, okay. And so in your own words, what would you describe as your experience with and like, what is Bankless trying to accomplish? So that is a very difficult question to ask because there is no real... No pressure, no pressure. Yeah, there's no <laughs> consensus on what Bankless DAO is trying to accomplish, except for our mission to create user-friendly on-ramps to onboard the next billion people to a Bankless life. I mean, so what does that actually mean? To many different people, it means different things. We have projects who they create a newsletter and they talk about the DAO space. They talk about the ecosystem, different DAOs internally at Bankless DAO, and that's what they work on. That is their way to achieve our mission. We have other groups that are creating podcasts. Like these are these kind of like media groups which are expanding our reach. And then there are other groups who are creating DAO tools. I think a few examples like Bounty Board, we used to have one called DGen, and I think they are creating tools for DAOs to use so that more DAOs can be created. And that is their way to face the mission. And then we have other groups which are looking at this in entirely different ways, products to help bring more people to the Bankless Mission, Bankless Academy, Bankless Wallet, Bankless Card, all of these different projects who are exposing people to Bankless and then educating them in some way, reducing the friction to onboard them. So that mission, very broad. Ultimately, we're trying to bring people into the space, but for each Bankless member, it may be a different way that they're doing that. At CityDAO, our vision mission, you could say, is to build a decentralized city of the future. And that sounds great. It's like, oh, wow, that's awesome. This is cool, exciting. Let's get involved and do that. But I mean, what is that, right? It's such a broad vision that it's both, I mean, everything has a pro and a con. And here the pro is, of course, it's attractive. It's a flag. It's a banner. It's a rally point and a cry. And that's exciting. And the downside is, well, if we can't physically dissect and understand exactly what it means, then how do we figure out and get consensus on where to start? And what are our first steps or second or third steps? And then we have conflicting opinions sometimes about, no, we have to do this, we have to do that, we have to maybe try something else. And that creates these little split opinions that creates little fractures. And those fractures, if left unattended, can be problematic, specifically when there's no alpha in charge to crack the heads together and bring everyone back under the United Banner. It's fully decentralized, so people go their own ways. And if it goes too far, of course, it would lead to a forking or a dissolution and things just fall apart. 
which is a, a separate topic because now we're talking about what does leadership look like in a DAO and how do you hold people together in a decentralized manner? But that's a separate topic that maybe, maybe we'll touch on a bit later. It's that topic of the broad vision mission and how you said that there isn't really consensus on some of that topic. And I'm wondering, and let's go in comparison, for example, Kraushaus, their vision to go and, and buy an NBA team as a baby step. They went and bought a big three league team, which by the way, played last weekend and rocked it out of the park. Best team that played all day. And that's a clear milestone. Buy a small team from a smaller league and get yourself towards it. Links down, go and buy a golf course. They did. They went and bought a golf course. That's a very clear vision. There's no miscommunication or misunderstanding about let's go buy a golf course, right? It's simple. And when CityDAO had a mission of let's go buy land and put it into a DAO ownership and decentralize the governance of it, that's how CityDAO formed. And that was achieved. And it was a clear rally point that no one was confused about. And now it's moving into this broader decentralized city of the future. And now Bankless DAO is looking at how do we onboard a billion people into Web3 and what does that look like and how do we do it? And I wondered if you had any comments on this niche narrowed vision mission versus the broad mission statement. I think it depends at like kind of the level of granularity that you're looking at. I believe personally that vision is owned by the community or by everyone, right? That vision is like a collective vision that is stored in people's brains and that kind of manifests itself in different ways. So it's really that mission I think that we're talking about. I truly believe in top-down direction and bottom-up initiative. I think most people thrive with a little bit of direction, right? Like if you have a blank piece of paper, it can be really difficult for some people to get started. Some people are really great at that, but I wouldn't say 100% of people are great at that. So having some direction enables you to empower more contributors to contribute towards the mission. So I do think that it's important to have that top-down direction, but in a DAO, it's difficult to gain consensus on what that top-down direction actually looks like. And I think that that's where people stumble a little bit. Because with a traditional organization, you have one person who's really, I mean, you know, there's lots of people who are probably contributing to strategy, but it's usually one person who owns that strategy. It's typically the CEO or someone like that who's saying like, this is our strategy and we have remission. Here's our strategy as a company. Okay, do this. And it's, it's very, it's all top down, right? Like all of your initiatives can be tied to this. I think, let's say the promise of a DAO is to be different than a traditional organization. So it's actually not desirable for someone to be at the top and dictating downwards what should happen. So what does that mean? What does that look like in a decentralized way? Well, I don't think we know yet, but the way that I think that we can do it is like DAO leadership, as we were talking about it before, are just people who are prominent in the DAO that others trust. And I think that it behooves those people to kind of speak their mind about what they think the mission is, what they think the value is, and start to gain consensus in that way. We do that at Bankless DAO through our community calls, through articles that people write on our forum. People know me at Bankless DAO just because I do write and I do comment and I do show up at those community calls. And the reason why people might say that I am some kind of leader at Bankless DAO is just because they recognize and know me and hopefully agree with me, right? And I think in a decentralized organization, that's how it happens. Bottom up initiative means that there is someone who has an idea and probably that accords with the mission or purpose. And they are gathering consensus, meaning that they are gathering people's hearts and minds. So people will vote for them, will vote for their proposal. They are gathering contributors. They are gathering resources together towards this idea. So really, instead of having someone at the top who's saying like, this is what Bankless DAO is doing, we have a bunch of people at the bottom who are like, this is what I think Bankless DAO should be doing. And I want all of you to join me. And that's what we do at Bankless DAO. And that's why we have these different projects. I think that the conflict comes when people are like, okay, we're doing all these different things, but 
how do they fit together? And are we actually making progress? And they're valid questions. But I also think that they show a kind of lack of conviction in that idea of a DAO in some ways, right? Like the wisdom of the crowd can get us to someplace better. That individuals, when you give them, when you empower those individuals, that they will act in accordance with our purpose. Because hopefully we are gathering those like-minded individuals together, and hopefully we are giving them the tools to succeed. So ultimately, when it comes to Bankless DAO, I think that our job isn't, hey, we need to set this thing and, and all of the DAO organizational units need to follow this thing. Instead, it's more like, hey, these are our ideas. What do you think? And by the way, here's a bunch of infrastructure that'll make it easy to pursue your own ideas. So here's a, a thought that came up and I've experienced... So in City DAO, you know, obviously I run the podcast here. I do a bunch of the Twitter spaces. I'm in the forums. I'm in the Discord. I'm on the community calls and people see me a lot, right? So when I keep showing up, kind of like what you described, people recognize and they start to trust. And that leads to a certain level of, you could say, accidental influence, right? Where if someone's new to the DAO or they don't really know on decision, they might look to someone who's been here longer, like yourself or whoever, fill in the blank, maybe myself. And this natural gravitation, you could say, we're talking delegated voting right now. We're talking liquid democracy type stuff and representative democracy, which are in an abstract sense, totally fine and normal for conversation and practical use. But there's also this element and this attitude inside the DAO ecosystem of phobia towards any sort of centralization in any way, shape or form. And so I don't know if it's happened to you, but it did come up at one point with me in the past where there was a proposal out and I was voicing my opinion and I was very strongly supporting a certain proposal. And then it came out that I was a centralized power trying to manipulate votes, right? And this was a devastating thing for me to hear, right? Because that's not, that's not what happened. It's just the net result of showing up consistently and contributing leads to a gravitation and a delegation of votes. It's not something I asked for or, or looked for. It just happens. And then other people, they get that phobia, right? They get all freaked out. And so I'm wondering on your side if that's happened with you or if you've seen that in other places. And how do you bridge the gap between the full decentralization and the natural gravitation of delegated votes? I think that people use centralization as like kind of like a dirty word in DAOs, like centralized bad, decentralized good. But I don't think that it is that black and white because you have to decide what you are centralizing. To centralize something is a verb. It is not like a black and white state, right? It is a spectrum as well. And so you really have to decide what you want to optimize and what the trade-offs are. Typically, centralized entities can move faster and they can move a bunch of resources faster than a decentralized entity, right? The draw of decentralization is resilience, I think, right? So when you're talking about what you are trying to centralize and decentralize, it's really important to talk about the trade-offs. I mean, that is kind of a hand-wavy way of saying that people are always going to accuse others of centralization as soon as you create any kind of structure in an unstructured environment, people are going to accuse you of centralization. And the idea is, okay, well, I don't agree with this proposal, so I'm going to call you centralized, and then people will will see that I'm right. But ultimately, I think usually cooler heads prevail, right? Like it's often new people who are new to the space who are using centralization like a dirty word. But the people who have been around understand that there are benefits and trade-offs to any proposal. And I think that those decentralization maxis, of course, they exist. But as long as you're having your discourse in a healthy and productive way, it's totally fine, right? Like I think that something, I mean, at least in some of my projects, what I try to cultivate is this idea of nonviolent communication, centralizing things. I think that this proposal 
may centralize things because of X, Y, and Z. And when you talk about facts like that, when you talk about it dispassionately and you remove the people from the proposal, it's a lot easier to move forward as a group. And if the idea of decentralization, if it's all about resilience and empowerment and all this kind of thing, you really do want to, like at your core, empower people to get things done. You really do want to work with others to make things happen together. So I think that at least a lot of our desires or our core desires are the same. And just the way that we go about it is different. Like, so it's really all about that communication. And if you can make that work, it's great. Because otherwise, I mean, it happens all the time. I post a proposal. People are very, I think like, you know, when you post a proposal, you're putting yourself out there. And I think that that's something that a lot of non-proposal writers don't get, right? Like it's easy to be in the peanut gallery and to tear down anything that anyone wants to do. It's hard to put an idea that you probably really like and developed over time, put it on the form and, and watch it get torn to shreds by people. But that is the natural flow of governance and DAOs. And it's something that you can lessen that impact, but you're never going to stop that entirely. The whole point of the proposal process or any governance process is to try to pare down these ideas so that they are something that people buy into. And so I think, yes, you're always going to have these centralization maxis. Probably you're going to have a bunch of rude people. But for most people in the core of the DAO, if you cultivate a culture of communication, which is productive, I don't think it turns into a problem near as much. And it's actually the bear market has helped quite a bit because a lot of those bullish decentralization maxis have maybe left for a little while. So the people who are around are really purpose aligned. I agree. And it's a great time. For, like I know it's stereotypical and almost cliche, but it's a great time for building. I just find it so quiet out there right now. There's so much less noise and hype and distraction and weird stuff. It's just, for me anyways, what I'm seeing is just the people that are left are the ones that want to see this just move forward and build. And it's actually been pretty refreshing in some ways. And now, what about your background? What did you do before Bankless? And what led you to wanting to be involved and diving in as far as you can? And then I want to talk about Bankless card a little bit and bounty boards. Sure. I mean, Bankless DAO itself, for most people living in Western countries, you can't make a living off of it. So what I'm doing is what I still do. I am a Web2 startup guy. And by that is that I've just been in the space for something like 13 years. I am very good at execution. And what I tell people is that I build teams that build useful products. So that's kind of what I do. Still do it in the Web2 space. Actually, that's most of my time during the week. And my time at Bankless DAO is, is out of love. I came to the space because I kept butting up against ownership in Web2 startups. I wanted to build a truly sustainable organization, but just the way that Web2 startups are funded, it can be very difficult. And when I heard about these DAOs, I immediately was like, oh, that could solve my problem. So I immediately joined six DAOs, Bankless DAO being one of them. And Bankless DAO was the one I just continued to contribute at because I really felt a camaraderie with the other members there. In some ways, I feel like it is the DAOiest DAO. There have been leaders who have come and gone and people still hold up that Bankless banner, right? I think that idea of Banklessness is something that draws the kind of people who I want to be around. So that's why I'm at Bankless DAO. And I still continue to work on advising startups as my day job. So now just talking a bit more about Bankless details before we jump into the bounty board and the Bankless card. So bullet point quick hits here. Top three accomplishments that Bankless DAO has done since inception. Top two, if you want. Hmm. I mean, I guess the first one that comes to mind, I mean, 
one of the biggest things to me is just that Bankstown is such a welcoming environment. Like literally anyone can join. You don't have to have any bank. You can just join and get a guest pass. So I will say that guest pass is one of the big accomplishments of Bankstown. It started as just people who had these bankless tokens that were airdropped. It was a small group of people. They introduced this idea of a guest pass, a limited pass for people to join. And okay, you know, there are some restrictions. You can't do certain things, but it created a pathway for anyone to earn bank tokens so that you could become a member. That is, I think, one of the things that Bankless DAO does probably better than most other DAOs. So the guest pass system, I think, is, is one of the early things that we did that, that really worked. Another thing that I really like myself is the constitution. So we have this constitution. It's on source control. So you can kind of see our governance change over time. It didn't get created early on. I think it was like a year later or even more since inception that a constitution came out and an iterable governance process emerged out of it. I think that that is really interesting. And I think that we have yet to see the benefits of that. I mean, we recently did a constitution update to kind of clarify the language. We were using this constitution for a year and then we decided, okay, we see the holes in the process. We see that it's difficult for people to use. We see that there are things that shouldn't be in here and things that aren't in here that should be in here. And we created a working group and we kind of revised the whole constitution recently. We had to get consensus to do that through our governance forum and then on snapshot. And it was a long and arduous process. But at the end, I think you can see that our governance is getting better as we go. And anyone who's a member at BanklessDAO can do the same thing. Every word that's in that constitution was put there through consensus, was put there through our token voting. And I think that that's something that over time, we're going to see the value of that more and more. Top priorities for the next six months. I think it really depends on who you talk to. I'll tell you my priorities at least, but probably a lot of people agree with these at least. Shoring up our membership is something that we're looking at. So I talked about the guest pass. I would say that there are some holes in our guest pass system, which allow extractive people to come in and kind of extract bank and do that kind of thing, which is, it's okay. It's not a huge issue, but I think that there is some desire from people who've been consistently contributing to have some kind of membership leveling that shows that, that, hey, I was involved, I'm not involved anymore, or I've been here the entire time. So we are very close to releasing. I actually have on another screen, the demo for our time lock bank. And so this is one of the core pieces of our membership that we're going to show up. And the basic idea is the idea of who is a member, who isn't, who can vote on proposals, who can't, and how to align those incentives. I think that shoring up of our membership, it's probably going to take at least six months, if not longer. I mean, it's something we're going to be tweaking overall, but using Time Lock Bank, we call it TL Bank, is something that we're going to be doing. Also, just simplifying and clarifying some of our core processes. I talked about our governance processes. We also have our grants processes. We have our guilds and departments. Some of these core processes, they are either unwritten and people just know from being around, or they're written and they're wrong, or they're written and they're very complicated. So, I mean, we made a big change on the constitution, but what we did as well was we kind of delegated some of that constitution. This doesn't belong in the constitution. It's not DAO-wide. It's for just the grants committee. Hey, create a grants committee handbook, create a change process around that and make it easy to consume. So anyone can seek a grant. So I think simplification and clarification of those processes is something that's going to be happening. And then one that I would say is very opinionated on my part, but definitely goes into some of these larger DAO trends. I think that Bankless DAO will probably have a legal entity 12 months from now. So I think that one of the things that we do very well is we create or we extend that Bankless brand and we create IP. And right now, there's no way for Bankless DAO to really 
capture the value that that creates. There's no legal entity. So there's no way that we can delegate that brand for use. There's no way that we can say that this IP must be shared. Like if you're using bank to fund creating IP. So I really do think that a legal entity is going to help not only with that brand and IP stuff, but also to protect some of our contributors. We recently had an election for our multisig and we had almost zero people in the US want to run because it was just too risky for them to be involved in that way. So if we had a legal entity, it's very likely that we could have more contributors contributing to their full potential rather than kind of hanging back because they're scared. I like that. And I have to maybe lean into the next topic here, shifting us into DAO sustenance, right? I think that most DAOs, specifically those formed in 2021, and City DAO is the same thing. City DAO was formed in the same year as Bankless. A lot of hype, a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm. Sell out the NFTs. Bank token has good value. Fill in the blank DAO has good value on their tokens or their governance, whatever it happens to be. And it's obviously a tricky subject because the value of governance tokens is not supposed to be a factor. However, when there's a, let's say, a public sale of an NFT or a certain amount of the DAO's treasury to pay people is dependent on the value of the governance tokens, it creates a weird conundrum <laughs> of like, okay, well, if token value goes down, then how does treasury sustain? And separate from that, even just in the treasury holdings, once the DAO has raised funds in whatever means they've done, however it is that they've gone around to raise money, maybe it was even just donations and grants and, and whatever it came from, when you're holding that treasury, usually in a bull market, the tendency is LFG, wag me, let's just hold everything in ETH or in fill in the blank other coin, and that's going to be our treasury. And some cases like Aragon sat there and and I'm not going to go into that too much, but their treasury ballooned, right? They're sitting on like 200 mil from what? It's not from revenue generation. It's mainly from their initial coin offering, right? Exactly. And it just booms and booms and, and balloons over multiple bull runs. And the opposite's true too. I mean, CityDAO was holding, was it five or six million in ETH before the crash? And now we're sitting on one and a half, right? And other DAOs see their treasuries disappear too. And all of a sudden the reality comes in that there are market cycles. And market cycles mean influences on our treasuries when we're holding assets that are speculative and susceptible is what I should say to the market swings. And I don't think that Bankless is an exception to that. I think that many DAOs are facing that. And then that pill, that big giant pill that we have to swallow in bear market that our treasury went down and we don't know how to sustain forces the look on how we're going to generate revenue to continue. And that forces a spotlight on what Web2 and traditional businesses do best. You have an alpha in charge to generate a profitable company that's used to reinvest in the systems and in the people to keep it moving forward. And that's something the decentralized maximalists sometimes throw the baby out with the bathwater and they forget that one thing centralized companies do good is generate profits to sustain long-term. And, and we have to figure that out. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I, I guess I agree with some of what you're saying and I, and I disagree with other things. Like, are centralized entities good at making profit? Yes, because the ones that are around are the ones that make profit, right? The whole goal is to make money. And so if for survivorship bias, the ones that are good at making money will continue to stick around and the ones that aren't will not. But this has a whole host of other problems, right? We have an environmental crisis. In Canada, we have a housing crisis. And it's not just a bear market in crypto. It's a bear market all over the world, right? And it's because we are focused on extracting value. That is what traditional corps are good at. And I think that that is hopefully the reason why people are coming to DAOs is because they take a look around and they're saying, 
Am I better off? Is this what I want to do with my life? Do I want to be like a corporate paper pusher? Pays really well. Yeah, that's great. But money's not everything. I think we are seeing in these new generations that money is not everything. And the promise of DAOs to me is to be able to align the change that you want to be in the world with making a living. It's a little bit of a conflict because I think that especially in the bear market, a lot of people, let's say, took the plunge and became full-time DAOs. And then the treasury lost 90% of its value over six months or something like that. I mean, the Tradcorp way to move forward would be to fire a bunch of people and move on. But how do you fire people from a community? How do you fire people when it's a proposal framework and not a singular person? I think that that is the conflict that is happening in DAOs. But I still think that if we are all focused on revenue, we're just going to rebuild the trad world. And that is not a good outcome for me. So we have to look at different ways that you can build revenue. And lots of people are trying different things. My personal approach to this is bankless card. So we're working on a essentially a payment card. I mean, every time you swipe, you may or may not know this, but every time you swipe, you're paying a fee. It goes to Visa or MasterCard. And that fee gets dispersed, most of it, to the card issuer and transaction processor. Well, over the last 10 years, all these little fintechs have come up. So now anyone can launch a card if you have enough money. And so at Bankless Card, what we're trying to do is create a card for communities. So essentially at CityDAO or Bankless DAO or whichever DAO you are, you can start reaping some of those interchange revenues back into your ecosystem. It's essentially a capital inflow from the traditional financial system into the crypto ecosystem by use of these cards, by use of Bankless Card. So that's my answer to it. But lots of other people are being creative about it as well. Friends with Benefits recently changed their revenue model. So now you are going to be paying for your membership, these membership-based models. LinksDAO, I think, is probably very similar. CabinDAO did something similar. They took all of this revenue early on to build out some of these cabins that they have around the world, which is now a network of like co-working spaces. So for digital nomads, you pay X thousand dollars for a membership and you have the right to stay at any of these cabins. So I think there are membership-based models, there are advertising models and, and there are other kinds. For me, Bankless Card is really interesting because it allows DAOs to fundraise or rather communities to fundraise based upon community building. Join our community, use this card, use it for your transactions. And this magical money, which comes out of nowhere, which you're already paying, instead of going to a bank, it's going to causes you actually care about. Building a decentralized city, onboarding a billion people to the crypto ecosystem, whatever your cause is, chances are that there's a DAO that is doing that. And so that's what we're trying to facilitate with Bankless Card. So I agree with what you say about when I visualize, if we're going from point A to point B in a car and we're driving, are we holding the steering wheel perfectly straight the whole time? Or are there like little thousands of little tiny course corrections that happen on the way? to stay out of the ditches, to stay in the right lane. And, and I see when we talk about the environmental concerns and all the challenges that come up with traditional corps as we see today, I feel like there's a little bit of a leaning too far in one direction. We've got to correct it. And I feel like DAOs are part of the response, part of the correction. And maybe either direction in its extreme has downsides, but there's got to be a balance struck. And to me, I, I feel like the concept of a DAO is the natural evolution of human organization. It's the response to the over correction of centralized corpse and the problems that we see today in the world and, and a lot of the problems anyways, not all, but many. And this is one of the things that really attracts me to the DAO ecosystem. So that was the, I just wanted to add my points on what you were saying there. Yeah. And I agree with that. DAOs are only the solution if we make them the solution, right? There's no inherent thing about DAOs that make them more likely to create a better society than a trad corp. The only difference is that potentially, maybe, DAOs can experiment in a way that traditional corporations can't, right? And I think that no one's coming to save us, 
we have to do something. That is what DAOs are all about. And I think that for me, that idea of individual empowerment towards something bigger, I mean, that's what DAOs are all about. I think I've just been saying that. But ultimately, the key is that there's nothing that is inherently different. It is up to us to make those decisions so that it is different. A side-by-side comparison to me of what we're talking about, the corporate structure has a CEO run by the board of directors, usually that represent the corporate documents, the C-corp documents, which has a very clear prime initiative of deriving value, like you said, or generating profits. And that is one side of, let's say, the equation. The other side is, what do the people who work there actually want? And are they going to achieve that? It is their voice or their want going to be recognized and taken action on or not? And most times the answer is no. And so to me, when I look at a DAO, the DAO ignores because there isn't any top-down corp structure that says profit has to be the first governed by a board of directors who typically aren't employees at the company. And the DAO looks at the employees of the company and say, well, what do you guys actually want? And let's focus on that. And how about you take your values and see if there's a connection and a common theme between all the things that you want. And let's maybe make that a priority, which is no longer a corp anymore. Now we have a, a community, you could say. But of it's, people. it's not just employees, right? Like they're contributors and then there are token holders. And the two may not be the same group, right? So token holders, you could, I mean, probably most people wouldn't want me to say this, but they are like shareholders and they want that token price to go up often, right? So maximize shareholder value. That is the Friedman style of corporate economics that we see in the world today. Maximize shareholder value. That is why employees' voice doesn't get listened to. That is why users' voices don't get listened to. You know, I think Cory Doctorow called it like the insidification of TikTok. But there's a natural cycle to these Web2 companies where they create something very interesting for users, and then they create something very interesting for businesses at the expense of the users, and then they create something very interesting for themselves at the expense of the businesses and the users, right? So ultimately, whether or not the contributors to the DAO get the final say on what's going to go on. In a lot of DAOs, that's completely up to the token holders, and they are not necessarily the contributors. So it is up to the DAO itself to create a governance structure which amplifies the voice of its users, of its contributors, and balances those against the voice of its token holders. And when the DAO can generate revenue and sustain long-term, then one could say both sides are happy. The token holders and the contributors, the DAO gets to exist and sustain long-term. And this is where I think ideas and brainstorming ideas like the bankless card come into play. Where is that right now? Like when could I get a card and start using it? So right now we are looking, so we just did a round of investment pitches. We pitched to a bunch of different kinds of investors, angels, syndicates, VCs, accelerators, and got a bunch of feedback on that. Essentially, we need $2 million to take this, not just to launch, but also to self-sovereignty. We need $2 million to get us to 15,000 users, which according to our financial projections will allow us to be self-sovereign as a DAO. That's like enough revenue for us to continue that indefinitely. So we're figuring out how we're going to get this $2 million. And we're all working on it part-time, You know, five hours a week here, 10 hours a week there. We're not in a rush, but ultimately... The moment we get that $2 million, essentially, we can get that card into your hands in three months. That's what we know so far. So can't tell you exactly when, but I can tell you right now we're working on getting that $2 million, And when we get it, you're going to have the card in three months. And welcome to the startup dilemma. Need $2 million <laughs> to get the 15,000 users. Investors want 15,000 users, then they'll give the $2 million. Yeah, especially in this bear market. Yeah, it's true. We have a chicken and egg problem ourselves. We have a few strategies on how to avoid that, but I'd say it's all under wraps right now because we're still taking those lessons learned from our last season of work and updating our strategy with that. Well, maybe we'll chat offline a little bit about that. I have a couple thoughts and sort of questions that 
if it's under wraps, maybe it doesn't go fully public today. Maybe it comes out on a future episode. I'd love to follow the train of thought and the evolution of that. Yeah. And, and so like on that note, I mean, in the nature of a DAO and everyone supporting, I mean, just people that are in CityDAO and Bankless DAO and Krauss, Lynx, Collabland, Satoshi, all these other different DAOs that are listening. And one question I think that gets overlooked is how do we support each other? What's something that a listener or I could do right now today that could help move the needle a little bit, whether it's getting that Bankless card moving forward or just supporting in Bankless DAO overall? What's one little takeaway that we could do right now at the end of this episode, everyone listening, that would help move the bankless vision forward? You could go to signup.banklesscard.xyz and sign up, or you could follow us on Twitter. You could join our Discord and start to give feedback on the things that you see. There are lots of ways to contribute. If you reach out to me, I can get you started. But the smallest thing you can do is just retweet something from the Bankless Card Twitter. And that is still appreciated quite a bit from us. So even these small little actions that you can take, signing up for an email list. I mean, these are the things. How many signups do you have? These are what investors are asking, right? So yeah, I think that's the biggest, most impactful and low risk thing you can do is, is just sign up at signup.bankuscard.xyz. I'm going to put a link to that sign up on the show notes to this episode. So anyone and everyone listening can do that. Just go to the show notes to the episode, podcast.citydow.io, and the link for that sign up will be right there along with Lynx's Twitter and the Bankless Card Twitter. You can reach out to him directly. You can do the retweet at any time. It'll be easy. And it's just something we can all do. So let's just all take a second out of our day and do it. Let's sign up for the Bankless Card and help move this initiative along, help see Bankless Dow have its sustained revenue source to continue growing and helping the whole ecosystem. I think it's really simple. And I think it's something that if we all took 10 minutes every day to do one little action that would help another DAO move forward, then we're cross-pollinating our ecosystem and pushing forward in a time of need, you could say, in bear market. I would argue, do you think we're in capitulation right now? I've started to feel the capitulation vibes. I think we're moving to the extreme parts of the bear. (laughs) It doesn't discourage me, but that's the vibe I'm getting right now. I mean, I set my life up in a way where I can continue this indefinitely. I believe the only way you can create a sustainable organization is to be sustainable yourself. So that's kind of the way I set up my life. I don't envy the people who haven't done that. And I think that it allows me to be dispassionate. And without that, of course, you're going to be emotional or passionate about or about some of these things. So ultimately, yes, we're probably in those spots right now where I guess the way that you put it was capitulation, where you're just like, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to do anymore, right? Yeah, we're definitely in that bear market and and I see it, right? I see it regularly. I see it at Bankless Dow. You know, there's just less people around. But I think this too shall pass, right? There have been bear markets. They've been worse than this, right? There are more people in the ecosystem. There are more interesting projects going on. We have more technology, better technology than we did three years ago. So we will get out of this. And persistence is the key. And if you're feeling like you have to take a step back, do it. Because I think that it's really important that you take care of yourself first. The ecosystem will still be here. So I think that's really important that people take care of themselves. You got to save yourself before you can save others. Put the mask on yourself first in the plane when the oxygen mask drops down before you put it on someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. Links, man, it's been great having you here. I want to keep chatting with you offline and online. I'll see you at the next Bankless DAO community call. Everyone listening here, if you have a good guest idea, just reach out and fill out the guest suggestion on the website or just send me a DM at MemeBrains. That's my Twitter, at MemeBrains. Just send me a DM if you want to be a host on the show with me or if you have a great guest idea. I'm definitely looking for interesting people doing interesting stuff. And you definitely don't want to miss out on the next CityDAO community call coming up on every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, like I said. And remember to smash that subscribe button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. 
It takes five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. You can all do it right now. That's my only ask of you. And other than that, I think we will probably wrap this up here and see you on Discord, see you on Discourse, see you on Twitter. Links, man. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. See you now. Bye-bye. See you later.